News Network. A wise man once said, if you hear a horse, don't look for a zebra. Applied to today's politics, when you find drugs, find a drug addict. And contrary to the gyrations and tortured logic of politics, that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network, with your host, Dan Newman. I never thought about it that way, did you? The horse and the zebra, that comparison, it really makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. I am positive you all had a very good, peaceful weekend, had a lot of things that you had to get done, and you got them all done. That's what weekends are about. We had a really good weekend. Marianne and I got to go to South Louisiana. We went down Friday for a Friday night football game. Unfortunately, our team lost, but I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana, way down south. And growing up there, I know a lot of good things about being in South Louisiana. One of the best things is food. And we happened to stumble on a brand new restaurant right on Interstate 49, just south of Opelousas, Louisiana. And the name of it is Lee's Cajun Cuisine. Lee, spelled L-E-A. For those of you that ever find your way, you see you may be on I-49, maybe going down to Baton Rouge or even New Orleans. You need to eat at Lee's Cajun Food in Opelousas. Make a note of it. It's one of the best Cajun restaurants with the best food, best service. And it's not a fancy place. It's not quite a hole in the wall. But it's some place that you hear about all over America. Little places, little towns. And they just have this one place, great restaurant. My, I had. Now, we, we ordered a bunch of food, brought a bunch of food home. Especially after we had the first dish firecracker shrimp. Now, I'm a South Louisiana native. I've eaten seafood of every kind you can imagine my entire life, and I've got a long life, 70 years. I love shrimp. Cooked any way possible. I love shrimp. Firecracker shrimp at Lee's in Opelousas is the best shrimp I've ever had. Now, what does that have to do with TNN Live? And what does it have to do with all those important things we need to talk about? Well, life is important. I think you'll understand. For those of you that were here on Friday, we had Steve Smotherman. Steve Smotherman, if you didn't hear the interview with Steve Smotherman at the top of our second hour, you need to go grab it. How do you grab it? We put it up in its own special story and page just an hour or so ago at truthnewsnet.org. It's a 31-minute interview. You can click on it. He's somebody that everybody ought to know about because he pastors the largest church in the whole state of New Mexico. And you would think a guy did that. He would be milquetoast, very, you know, not going to offend anybody. You know the big reason his church is the largest church in New Mexico? It's because they operate under the theory that every conservative in the United States operates under, which is leave us alone, top-down government. 
This is supposed to be the other way. It's supposed to be we the people. You know, that government of the people, by the people, and for the people. The state of New Mexico has a hard left, liberal, leftist governor, Lawan Grisham. And she instigated, and I was part of it. I was actually in New Mexico the day that she locked down New Mexico for the COVID pandemic. And it it was known across the nation. New Mexico was known as the state that had the most egregious lockdowns during our pandemic. Lots of other things going on there, but he gets on the radio. He has uh, talk shows in uh, Albuquerque where he lives and the church is. And they love to have him on because he's very controversial, but he just goes right for the heart of every issue. And I think it's important for you to hear the man. Again, his name is Steve Smotherman. Smotherman spelled with a O instead of an A in that last syllable. And that story is published on its own page today, truthnewsnet.org. And it's the interview, full interview, with Steve Smotherman from Friday. So what about Monday? What about Monday? We look back through the weekend, talk about around the world, especially in the U.S., a lot of stuff happened over the weekend and still is. We got a story as we started the opening of this show, a very massive story about one of the most powerful senators in the U.S. Senate. And we've talked about him often here. Who is it? Well, I'll give you the name, but I'm not going to get into the meat of it. Sheldon Whitehouse, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse from Rhode Island. Now, for you that are regulars, you know he's one of the big, 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 hardcore leftists in the Senate Judiciary Committee. And he jumps on every Republican that comes before that committee, especially those in the form of looking for a nomination or an appointment approval by the Senate, especially judges and especially U.S. Supreme Court justices. He hates dark money. And he spends often when they're having hearings in the Senate Judiciary Committee, he spends all kind of time pointing out how Republicans are so evil because they have so much dark money that they go after in their campaigns, and that's money that doesn't have to be reported to the Federal Election Commission. So it's just a bunch of dollars, and that's where a lot of these politicians point those donations to go to Dark money, legal. It is legal. Why is it legal? Because people in the Senate and House, those members of Congress, are the ones that determine what our laws are, right? And, of course, when they come up with one, it goes to the president of that particular time, and it's approved there. Why wouldn't it be? Because campaigning for president, what do you got to have? Money. Oh, and that dark money we're talking about that's used in the Senate, it's used in running for the president as well. That's all I'm going to tell you right now, but this brand new story breaking just minutes ago about Senator Whitehouse, it may not shock you, but 
You're maybe saying, uh-huh, it's another reason why I listen to TNN Live. So enjoy this, and in about three minutes, we're going to get together for a big show today. A lot of information that you need, and you're going to get it. Sit tight. No one in the world ever had love as sweet as my love. For nowhere in the world could there be a boy as true as you love. All my love, I give gladly to you. successful top 40 groups in the 70s for the whole decade. The Carpenters, one of their big hits, Hurting Each Other. They had some great songs. Ralph Carmichael, great songwriter from that era. He wrote all their stuff. In fact, he did most of their music for them, too, or with them. They were a great group. Everybody likes them. You know, like, Close to You. Oh, my gosh. And multiple songs that are sung at weddings to this day. Just really great love song music, and they had that unique four-part harmony. They did a good job. So let's get down to business. I told you before we played the song, had some big, big news break this morning about U.S. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse from Rhode Island. Now, he is the number one Democrat Party dark money critic. But guess What has been unearthed? White House himself 
has deep ties to the secret political campaign donor class. He's long been the left's foremost critic of dark money, which he says corrupts politics and even poses a threat to democracy, he says. But a Washington Examiner review of the senator's donors, green energy affiliations, and efforts to transform the Supreme Court tell us another story. White House himself has for many years benefited from the influence of, guess what, dark money and held certain ties to dark money groups himself. Hmm. Since 2010, White House has helped introduce what's called the Disclose Act, which has not been passed. And if it is, it would require 501c4 nonprofit groups and super PACs spending money on federal elections to report their donors, those of more than $10,000, in a given cycle. In a given cycle, that would be an election cycle. More recently, White House has taken aim at Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas over the conservatives' purported dark money affiliations, including with Leonard Leo, who is chairman of the public relations firm CRC Advisors. And he's also the co-chairman of the Federalist Society, which is, you probably know this already, a powerful right leaning legal group, which means anytime, especially when there's a judge that's appointed to the Supreme Court, the Federalist is figuring into that very heavily, and people like White House that lean way to the left, they hate the Federalist Society. He's also slammed conservative Justice Alito over his relationship with a hedge fund billionaire, Paul Singer. White House accused Senate Republicans back in 22 of carrying water for mega donors and some secretive special interest, and they did so to protect the most corrupting force in American politics, he says, dark money, upon the lawmakers blocking of the Disclose Act. That sentiment hasn't deterred the Democrats' campaign, his campaign joint fundraising committee, and leadership pack from taking right at a quarter of a million dollars combined over the last decade from the pack arm of the League of Conservation Voters, which is a very influential 501c4. That's what these super PACs are labeled with the IRS, 501c4, Dark Money Environmental Advocacy Group. That's according to their own campaign finance disclosures. Also, the Rhode Island Democrat took a $1,000 donation this year from the PAC for the NRDC Action Fund, a 501c4 arm of the Natural Resources Defense Council, which is a left-wing climate charity. And that is a proven fact. The Action Fund endorses White House, who's appeared at events alongside NRDC personnel, including at an environmental conference that he organized in Washington, D.C. So entities that have this tax-exempt social welfare status, 501c4, they're often called dark money groups because they don't have to disclose their donors to the IRS. 
They can spend money on elections, typically in the form of independent expenditures, paying for advertising, and can also engage in unlimited lobby. Doing all that with no regulation, and they're doing it legally because they, the members of Congress, are the ones that created this little debacle, this little place to take and get big dollar donations from anonymously. Does that make any sense to you? I mean, if they tell us they want to be more clear, more transparent to the American people so we'll trust them, they don't understand why their acceptability, favorability numbers, I'm talking about across Congress, are always less than 15%. They don't understand it. It's because... They don't even try to hide this crap. They just do it and rub it in our faces. White House's efforts to frame any anonymous donor as peddling so-called dark money, it continues to elicit eye rolls from the top conservative groups like the watchdog Americans for Public Trust as well as Republican lawmakers for two reasons in particular. Those on the right viewed the left's crusade against dark money as contrary to a pro-free speech society, and is secondly, perpetually frustrated with Democrats criticizing dark money, despise their relying on it to win elections. Senator Whitehouse is the walking definition of a hypocrite. He attacks Justices Thomas and Alito on made-up ethics charges, but he takes actions as a senator to directly benefit his wife's organizations. He crafts legislation that explicitly helps them, including, and this is the biggie, pushing for taxpayer funding. If he were in the executive branch, he would be prosecuted for his unethical conduct. If he were a federal judge, he'd be forced to recuse himself. So a big shot up there that watches over this, guy's last name is Paoletta. He talked about how White House has helped put forth legislation, including the Federal Carbon Dioxide Removal Leadership Act that could benefit running tide technology. That happens to be a climate firm that has included Sandra Whitehouse, his wife, as an ocean policy advisor. <laughs> How do you qualify to be an ocean policy advisor? I don't know. I don't think there's a course at Harvard for that. I'm, just, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure. In other words, that's just a title they can give her to qualify her to be on that board working with it and also to get money to her 501c4. The bill that he proposed would allocate subsidies to companies that capture carbon dioxide from seawater or from air. And the senator's spouse appeared in July over Zoom to advocate a measure that's modeled after the federal bill called the Massachusetts Carbon Dioxide Removal Leadership Act. So like other private companies, running Tides Financials are dark, much further in the dark 
than other nonprofit groups given they don't have tax-exempt status and have, therefore, fewer obligations when it comes to public disclosure than nonprofit groups. That's according to Scott Walker, who's president of a conservative think tank, Capital Research Center. Running Tide, her operation, spent over $300,000 lobbying on issues related to carbon sequestration using deep water kelp. This is unfathomable. This is the guy that gets up and pontificates in Congress every time he gets up there, and he never talks about anything positive. He always talks down to anybody who has any differing philosophy of with him on any subject. It doesn't matter what it is. At the same time that was going on, Senator Whitehouse introduced a couple of measures related to ocean issues, while Sandra, his wife, consulted for Ocean Conservancy, a charity that has hauled in cash from groups that are affiliated with the left-wing dark money, Behemoth, and for-profit consultancy, Arabella Advisors. And this is all proven. White House has made ocean and climate issues a priority. Why? Well, he's the chairman of the Senate Budget Committee, which in 2023 hired as its communication director, Erica Handloff. Who's she? Who's Erica? Well, between 2015 and 2021, she worked for the Washington Center for Equitable Growth, a nonprofit group whose donors wish to remain anonymous. And that comes from its annual 2020 report. Hmm. Ocean Conservancy has been allied with the League of Conservation Voters, with the pair teaming up with other environmental advocacy groups in April of 2021 in a letter to the president, President Biden, calling on him to accelerate locally-led land, water, and ocean conservation and restoration efforts at all levels of the government. LCV pocketed a staggering $20 million in 2021 from 1630 Fund, a liberal dark money group managed by Arabella Advisors. It took another $10 million from Fund for a Better Future, another left-leaning dark money group that is bankrolled by Burger Action Fund, the advocacy arm of Swiss billionaire Hans-Jorg Wies, his private fund. LCV Action Fund has long made endorsements of, guess who? Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, who's praised the group as one that has, quote, done so much to further policies that protect our environment. You know, I could go on and on with exact examples of how this happens. I've seen Senator Whitehouse probably six, maybe eight or nine times on television, a televised committee hearing in the Senate Judiciary, in the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee, in the Senate, with big charts up there and graphs pointing out these Republicans took this from this dark money 501c4 organization, and they need to not do that because they owe the American people transparency. 
Transparency. Sheldon Whitehouse is the least transparent of any Democrat senator in Congress. So it is said, so let it be done, to quote a famous actor <laughs> in a movie back in the 70s. When, when, when I get things like this, I just want to puke because people in Congress don't work for the American people. As an example, if you haven't, if you didn't hear and you haven't listened to that interview from Friday with Steve Smotherman out in New Mexico, he gave prime examples. These government people, they make all of these one-sided, purposeful decisions on legislation, on what to do, on what not to do. Sometimes they do it within the tenets of the law. Sometimes they just go do it. And you know why they do that and how they get away with it? You remember when you were a kid, somebody when you, after maybe got in your teens, early teens, and you got in trouble for doing something, and your mom or dad said, you didn't ask me if you could do that. And you were told by somebody else, hey, it's always easier to ask for forgiveness than to try to get permission, so just go ahead and do it. That's how these Republican and Democrats in Congress, that's how they do much of this. And there's money floating around in the billions, and everybody wants their fair share, and they find ways to circumvent the opportunities, circumvent the law, circumvent the regulations, and it really doesn't matter because they're the one that writes the legislation. And then that rolls over and <laughs> we get into the latest from the president's son. Let me tell you something that came out this weekend and I just laughed when I heard it. The White House is now really upset with Hunter and they're kind of going quiet on anything and everything to do with Hunter Biden. And what I'm about to tell you is one of the reasons why Hunter has sued the IRS why is he suing the IRS? His suit alleges that agents tried to target and embarrass him. He sued those whistleblowers, Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler. You can't make this up. They filed a long suit against the IRS on Monday, alleging agents have targeted and sought to embarrass Hunter. His Monday morning si uh, filing cites two major examples in IRS agents Gary Shapley and Joseph Sigler, two, those two whistleblowers who claim the IRS mishandled aspects of its investigation into Biden. His lawsuit is asking the court to declare that the IRS, and this is a quote, willfully, knowingly, and or by gross negligence, unawfully disclosed Mr. Biden's confidential tax information. In addition, Biden is demanding $1,000 in damages for each and every unauthorized disclosure of his tax returns. 
including, he says, and the suit says, disclosures that happened after the fact. He's the son of the president. He has all the same responsibility as you and me. And the IRS can and should make certain that he abides by those responsibilities, the lawsuit says. Similarly, he has no fewer or lesser rights than any other American citizen. No government agency or government agent has free reign to violate his rights simply because of who he is. Now, wait a minute. These two guys, they work for the IRS, didn't they? Yeah. They were doing their job doing the job of every IRS agent since there's been IRS agents, which is to go find the wrongdoers, reveal the wrongdoers to the appropriate people, and see to it that the wrongdoers are held accountable to the rule of law and the regulations and the laws passed by Congress that oversee the IRS. The lawsuit goes on to allege that IRS agents, those two, targeted and sought to embarrass Biden through statements to the media. The suit clarifies the pair of agents are only the most recent example of the alleged activity. Biden at the time had misdemeanor tax charges against him, dismissed earlier this year, though he's still facing a felony gun charge, three felony gun charges. Shapley and Ziegler testified before the House Oversight Committee. Both say they faced limitations when they were tasked to investigate the president's son. So let me ask you this. You're working for the government. You're working for the people, not for the politicians or not for the politicians' family members. You're working for the people of the United States, regular everyday working people like, oh, I don't know, you and me. Now, if you, and I'm going to give you a exact example so you can think through this with me. Um, you work for a company in Ukraine. Now, you're an American citizen. You get money outside the nation. You're required to report what you got from outside the nation. I know I've been down that road. Got paid a little bit from a foreign company. Didn't get a lot of money, but I made sure I reported it as part of my income. I'm just a regular old American. So Hunter's working for, let's say, Burisma Holdings in Ukraine. And for a couple of years there, two years to be exact, he was making a little bit of money over there. He was on the board of directors, and let's see what else he did for Marisma. Uh, he picked up the phone and called his daddy whenever he needed to to put a Burisma executive on the phone with his daddy. And for those, he got paid $83,333.33. Every month for two years. And he didn't report any of that as income. Now, if that was you or me, it'd be all over the news. Where you live especially. But the only difference is Hunter Biden is the son of the President of the United States. And Hunter's actions 
have put him in the bullseye of media for at least two and a half years, if not three. He's been on television talking about giving interviews himself. He's talked about all this crap himself in public. And now he's mad when these two IRS agents, they probably did something that he didn't do. They talked about the numbers and the numbers are true. They didn't lie. <laughs> I, I, it just blows my mind <laughs> that anybody that is an advisor <laughs> to Hunter would let him do that kind of stuff. Let's move on. We're not going to spend a lot of time on Biden stuff, but, but it's, it's getting kind of good right now. In fact, so good, some of the president's aides themselves are beginning to distrust Attorney General Merrick Garland, and they're doing it. Why? Because the Hunter Biden investigation and Joe Biden's classified documents probe, they remain ongoing. And these people think, ah, uh, they ought to be able to shut it down. And who would be the one to do that? Attorney General Merrick Garland, and he's just quiet as a church mouse. The Biden aides view Garland's decisions in the Biden family investigation as being designed to make the probes appear insulated from political pressure instead of being motivated by impartial justice. And that's what they need to frame it as so they can get away with it. Last week, Hunter got popped with three federal gun charges, faces a maximum of 25 years in prison if he's convicted and given the maximum sentence. And everybody knows that'll never happen. So over the weekend, a spokesperson for the White House told Wall Street Journal, Biden appointed Garland because of his, quote, decades of fidelity to the rule of law, of law consistent with his commitment when he ran for president to restore the independence of the Justice Department, free from political interference. So Garland's allies say he's insulating the Biden probes rather than bending to political pressure. Now, he can't do that. I mean, Joe Biden appointed him. He gave him the gig. The attorney general, well, look what happened during the Biden Obama eight years. Look at the attorney generals then. They all did exactly what who appointed them to do, Barack Obama. And they bent the law all kinds of ways, mostly by looking the other way. Biden has been deferential to the Department of Justice in response to questions about Hunter's case. Garland's doing what the president asked him to do, and that is to restore justice to DOJ and follow the facts and follow the law and keep the politics out of decision-making. That's from a former Garland spokesperson, Anthony Coley. Biden's allies, they were hopeful that the Hunter Biden investigation would get resolved by his plea deal. You remember last month? Well, that collapsed in a July court appearance after the Delaware U.S. District Judge Mary Ellen Norieka looked real close 
that an immunity clause that was buried inside the pretrial diversion agreement for Biden's felony gun charge. You know what it would it would do? It would give him 100% immunity for anything that they would find going forward, anybody would find going forward. He would be immune from prosecution, even if they found out he had murdered somebody. I'm serious. Anything. It was going to be complete immunity. And it was buried inside inside the uh, pretrial diversion agreement. So as a result, Biden's defense counsel and the DOJ special attorney, Leo Wise, they got into an argument about the scope of the immunity provision, and Biden pleaded not guilty to those two tax misdemeanors. What dis- misdemeanors? Well, he got a million bucks one year, a million bucks the next year, and he didn't pay taxes on it. Now, if you did that, would they call that a tax misdemeanor? It would be a felony, major felony, and we'd be in the in the jail cell waiting for trial with no way to get out of jail before the trial. They wouldn't give us that opportunity, but he's Hunter Biden. His legal team has argued the diversion agreement is legally binding still, while the DOJ believes the agreement was never put in place. So in August, to make everything look Hunky-dory, Garland appointed Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, special counsel in the Hunter Biden case. There's no controversy there, even though David Weiss is the federal attorney who had already been investigating Hunter Biden for five years for all this crap. He did nothing then. How in the heck did Garland appoint him special counsel? Because the special counsel rule that was passed by Congress And approved by the Department of Justice, it says specifically anybody appointed as a special counsel cannot come from within the federal government. U.S. Attorney David Weiss. Well, he's a U.S. attorney, is David Weiss. That would mean uh, he's an employee of the United States. Shouldn't be there, but he is. IRS whistleblowers Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler They accused the DOJ investigators of giving Hunter special treatment under Weiss's leadership before his special counsel designation. And so Americans say, how the heck is the rule of law going to be carried out in this mess? Because nobody that's involved in it, Hunter, the attorneys that he has, Merrick Garland, and the prosecutor, They have already proven again and again. They don't want Hunter to be held accountable for what he did. After all, he's the son of Joe Biden. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dance. Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny. Welcome my Johnny is. Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The Real Dirty Dancing four-week event starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. 
Ready to take your Jenga skills to the next level? If you're an all-star at building towers and balancing blocks, then build up the competition in New Jenga Maker. Play in teams to finish first and claim the crown. Jenga and New Jenga Maker. Reach the top of your game, each sold separately. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. <laughs> what are you doing, Snuggle? Snuggle. Snuggle. I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee, fi, fo, foam. I smell the. I, I smell, uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami, available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. When the left seeks to impeach a president for resisting efforts to frame him, you need clarity. And you get it right here at TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. Speaking about uh, impeachment, Trump, just look back at those two impeachment things. They impeached him for a phone call, a phone call that everybody heard, everybody read the text, and they tried to read into the mind of why the president said some words that he said, and they did their darndest to turn it in to some uh, illegal activity of trying to get the president of Ukraine to do something unethical and, un and illegal. And so they impeached him for that. None of that was true. Look at the difference in what's going on now. Speaker McCarthy, over the weekend, he was all over the news. He said in one of those interviews that the White House is already engaging in impeachment inquiry obstruction with fake, no evidence, disinformation talking points. And the White House had their minions on the left out there all weekend just poo-pying. Oh, there's no there there. They don't have any evidence. Democrat President Joe Biden, that's all you need to say. The White House is obstructing, and we knew they would, and we knew they would put out all kinds of disinformation. McCarthy was on Breitbart News Saturday on Sirius XM, and he said in a document that was drafted by the White House counsel's office and sent from formal White House staff out to the media, out to every media outlet. And this happened at the beginning of the impeachment inquiry. 
led to the false reports in the use of the disinformation talking point by many of these outlets and Democrats allied with the White House could amount, according to McCarthy, to obstruction of the investigation. You're 100% right, McCarthy said when Breitbart News noted there is, in fact, evidence and the fake talking point the White House disseminated is disinformation. You just raise another one that points to why we need impeachment inquiry to have the strength of our subpoenas because you now have the White House counsel. That talking point didn't come from the campaign. It came from the taxpayer-paid White House counsel directly to media outlets. Now think about that. Not the president. The lawyer for the president is calling the media and he's telling the media there's nothing, there's no evidence. And we already know there's evidence. More than 170 of those big time bad information, scary things that come to banks that they send to the U.S. Treasury when they have very large foreign wire transfers going into any American's accounts. Over 170 of those came from the bank to the U.S. Treasury. They didn't tell any about it. The Treasury didn't. They just laid them in down. She she probably, the Secretary of Treasury, just probably stuck it in a drawer and forgot about it until it was discovered by the Republicans in investigation. How many times has you ever gotten a foreign transaction so big in a wire transfer that they sent in one of those forms to the U.S. Treasury. I'm guessing probably never happened to you. I've gotten money from overseas in a business deal, but it wasn't anything like that, certainly. And nobody sent any information to the U.S. Treasury about it 170-plus times. How long and how many times are we going to be talking about this before something's done? It just keeps rolling and rolling and nothing gets done. And the president obviously doesn't give a rip. Why? Well, over the weekend, he wished White House Republicans, he wished House Republicans lots of luck on their impeachment inquiry. He wished them lots of luck taunting his political opposition as he came back to the White House on Sunday, which he always has to because he's never there over the weekend. And by the way, the weekend for him starts Thursday at noon. He spent the weekend in Wilmington, where he continued to ignore any questions about Hunter's indictment. And while he was there, he attracted an armed protester near his home. He ignored a shouted question on whether he would pardon Hunter as he left church on Saturday evening. He didn't answer the same question when asked it Friday after he addressed the ongoing United Auto Workers strike. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre, KJP, said later Friday the president would not pardon his son. Now, I'm sure (laughs) at this stage of the game, the president of the United States, with all this crazy circumstances floating around, he told KJP, hey, I would, if he gets convicted of anything and sentenced, I'm not going to pardon him from jail. I'm not going to do it. You and I both know that's horse hockey. 
He's not saying that, and if you ever hear him saying it, it's because of one thing. He's running for re-election. You think he would ever let it out before the election? What his intentions were there? You think he would? And, and let me say, what father in the situation that he's in with this son like Hunter and he gets in all this deep stuff, and of course, Joe was involved in every bit of it. We're finding out every day some new fact that comes up. Remember, I never talked. I never talked to my brother or my son about their foreign business deals. And not only did he talk about I never met with any of those foreign business people that were dealing with Hunter and Jim. He met with them all the time, dozens of times, in public. The one thing that has always bothered me about Joe Biden is he lies with impunity. He makes statements that are nowhere near the facts. And he knows that he's going to get busted, but when he gets busted, he just kind of blows it off. Wow. So as this impeachment inquiry is getting ramped up, what do people in America say? How half the country say Biden's been dishonest about his business deals? He's about to be officially scrutinized by Congress for evidence that he committed impeachable facts while he was vice president under Barack Obama. How honest has Biden been about his involvement in the business dealings of his son, Hunter Biden, with foreign entities? That was a national online tip poll question that was asked 1,351 Americans from August 30th to September 1st. The poll has a margin of error of 2.7 percentage point. The responses aren't going to give any comfort to either Biden or the Democrat Party. Among those responding, 48% called Biden not very honest, 14%, or not at all honest about his business dealings with Hunter compared to the 36% who believe Joe has been either very honest, that was 19%, or somewhat honest, 17%. Another 15% said they were not sure. Now, what does that mean to you? First of all, I go not very honest or been either very honest or somewhat honest. Here's where I go with this. You ever know anybody that was kind of pregnant? You ever knew anybody that was kind of guilty? You never knew anybody that was kind of right? or kind of wrong, or kind of dishonest? No. Joe Biden is either honest or he's dishonest. They try to put something in the middle that's palatable to everybody. But the the stuff in the middle doesn't matter. There's no such thing as being kind of truthful. Oh, it's just like being kind of pregnant. You either is or you ain't. You're either telling the truth or you're telling a lie. And dumbing that down 
is purposefully done by people that want the American people to not push back, not think through the things that they're told. Interviews, policies, it doesn't matter. If we say it, if we give it to you, you don't need to ask a single question or even look at it or do anything other than swallow it and just go on down your rosy road and live your life. That's the way this whole debacle that we're living in has been built. Look at the landscape of the nation. Is there anything that is really good happening anywhere in the U.S. now? Do you know any place where anybody is doing great financially that was doing great financially two and a half years ago and they were doing really great or maybe became great under the Trump administration They did it because they did the stuff that was necessary to make their company successful, to make their operations successful where they were working. That's the only thing that has improved anything for anybody in the last six years is what they did. This government has been horrible. I mean, absolutely horrible at living and working and doing things for you and I. As a matter of fact, one economist over the weekend, he blasted Joe Biden and his administration over the rising poverty and inflation in the United States. And Biden and all his minions, they act like, I mean, Bidenomics is saving everybody on the planet if you listen and believe what Joe Biden says. Not this economist. We got one of the worst poverty reports ever in the history of our country with the child poverty rate doubling. Uh, you know, the, the big increase in, in overall poverty. Virtually every group had more poverty than they did before. Incidentally, on Donald Trump, who I work for and helped on the economic program, we had, do you remember this, Dagan? In 2019, before COVID, we had the lowest poverty rate in the United States ever ever in the history of the country, for blacks, for Hispanics, for women, for men, for LGBTQ, any group you want to look at, we had the lowest poverty rate ever. So then we get this terrible inflation report that shows inflation is rising and gas prices are rising. It's almost like these people are living in some kind of bubble in Washington where they don't know what's going on in the country. They know exactly what's going on in the country. They don't live in a bubble. They know exactly what they're doing. It's coordinated It is planned, it is targeted, and it's targeted against you and me, people that work hard, people that trust the government or have liked and like to hope we can trust the government again. These are people, though, that accept only the truth, the facts, They're not swallowing this garbage that Democrats and their minions, including the president, are cramming down our throats. How can anybody tell us Bidenomics is good? That has to do with economics. And (laughs) economics right now are not very good. Listen, one of the smartest economists on the planet, Charles Payne, Who is Charles Payne? You may remember him. He's a large, very boisterous African-American guy on Fox Business 
and he comes over on Fox News all the time. But he is one of the greatest economists and has been for years in the United States. But what's really good about Charles Payne is he does not hesitate to talk about the facts. And over the weekend, he did just that. And I want to share what he had to say. Charles Payne is with us. Gas prices on the rise, diesel's on the rise. You've got to analyze this because it looks to me like more inflation. I was looking at your interview with uh, uh, on uh, Gas Buddy. Uh, and they Patrick. Were, when was yeah, that? Yeah. Patrick DeHaan? Yeah. That was some uh, time ago. Yeah, and they were talking about uh, moderating in the summer, you know, maybe up a little... They're all getting, they're, all the experts are getting it wrong. You know, Stuart, I looked at coming into the year, the, uh, the closest was the EIA, right? They said $3.51. Fitch said $2.70. Uh, Wallet Investor, $2.70. It feels like we're going to definitely crack four bucks. The only thing I would say is we're already seeing moderation in, de- in demand and behavior. Yeah. Last week, there was 8.3 million barrels a day. The week before that, 9 million barrels a day. And we actually had a tick up in gasoline stock, but... Uh, listen, we, we, we don't have any crude oil. But you we, think we're going to $4? I think so, absolutely. Looks absolutely. Like I think this is going to be a huge headache for President Biden in 2024. Unless yeah. we stop driving yeah. <laughs> and China stops driving, uh, we're going And this is, this is the failed policies of Biden. This comes back. Listen, we know what OPEC did and Russia did, but President Biden made it easy for them to take advantage of the situation. He did. Now then, we've gotten a, a strike against the big three, different plants for each, each one of them. Now, we're told that this is about electric vehicles, and I think that's true up to a point. I also think, and you pointed out this this morning, it's also about the declining purchasing power of the auto workers themselves. You got the numbers. Yeah, uh, from 2008 to 2023, non-supervisory workers at vehicle parts uh, plants, they're they're purchasing, their real income is down 10%, but at manufacturing plants, their real income down 19%. Real income in this economy, they're watching this government give the automakers billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. They're watching their industry change in a way that no one knows how the, what the outcome's going to be. Their uncertainty levels are through the roof, and they, they have a legitimate gripe here. They really do have a legitimate gripe. Now, whether they'll be able to work two, 32 hours and get 40 hours worth of pay is a different story, but they do have a legitimate gripe. Well, but, but that's test- what other people are doing. Other that- workers are, are working the hybrid schedule. They're working arguably less. Difficult to work a hybrid schedule when you're in a, a manufacturing. You, you, you can't yeah, do it in manufacturing. Yeah. You Tem- actually don't want to. You don't want them to know that, hey, we can, you know, listen, you want more hands-on. You don't want more robots in that plant. No, you don't. You held a charity event last night for the Boys and Girls Club of Harlem. Tell me about it, because you've got a personal connection there. You know, Stuart, we, we, um, I had two childhoods, and I've talked to you about this before. I grew up in Army bases. Wonderful, beautiful. Uh, we moved every year. Every year, lived in Germany, lived in Japan, Pittsburgh, uh, San Antonio, Alabama, North Carolina, North Virginia, Dakota. North Dakota. That's when I was in the Air Force myself. And so we left that. You know, my parents separated, divorced. We left this amazing, beautiful life, Fort Lee, Virginia, two-story house, um, just wonderful. Didn't have to lock our doors. And we moved to Harlem, four of us, my mom and my two brothers and me, with no money. All four of us lived in a room initially. We got an apartment. Our first winter in New York, we had no, no hot water. And it was just, the, the, I love the energy and I love so many things about it, but the violence and the poverty, I'd never seen anything like it, never experienced anything like it. And this was an oasis, the Boys and Girls Club. They sponsored the football team. Me and my brothers joined that, we played, we, you know, it was an oasis. It was one of the things that helped divert my fate from the fate of so many people I grew up with. And so over the years, I, when I got out of the Air Force, I went back and I coached the team for two years. Then I, but I was a broker, you know, you gotta put in long hours. And I couldn't coach anymore. 
And as I became more fortunate, I've been donating money. And then finally, they called me up and said, yo, my man, the check's looking good. What else can you do? <laughs> and I have some big dreams. I just joined the board this year. Wow. I got some amazing dreams of what I'd like to achieve, not just with them, but as a template for, for, for public schools and everything else, because we're not prepared. As a nation, we're not prepared. And certainly as a people, as a, as a race, black people are not prepared. Our, our children in these public schools like New York City. Failing. They're just not prepared for the new world. We're in, we're, we're in the Industrial Revolution, and uh, a lot of people are going to be left behind. Charles, you're a good man. Thanks a lot, Stuart. Thanks Thank for being you. on the Appreciate show today. It. We'll watch you this afternoon. All right, thanks. Cheers, man. You know, I could have cut that audio off after they finished the talk about the econ economic stuff, but I purposely left in there the segment, that last segment, where Charles was talking about his childhood, how it changed, how... As a black man, he and his family moved to Harlem and how horrible it was to be in that situation. You know, there are a lot of people that have had really rough times in their life. There are a lot of people right now that are in the same situation. More, far more, are in that situation than were two and a half years ago. And it's getting worse. And so what's supposed to happen in those cases Charles Payne, he and his family, they didn't turn to the government. They stuck their noses to the ground and they just worked, found ways to get things done and better their lives for themselves. They didn't look for a handout. They didn't. And that is the difference between many, many people, more people than we care to think in the United States of America. And this administration is bringing in millions of illegals from foreign countries that think that they come here and there's going to be handouts for everything. And what happens in that scenario? More people are takers than there are people who are givers. And a nation cannot survive on that. Over the weekend, I read stories about two countries in Europe that are stopping, totally stopping any foreign immigration because of what it is doing to their economies. They're much smaller countries than ours. Therefore, their budgets are smaller. They don't have access to the same things that we do because our nation is so much bigger and quite honestly, our nation has been more healthy financially than most other countries on the planet. But they've had to say no. And that's exactly what Americans want our government to do. Besides that simple little thing that they all swore an oath to do if they were elected to represent us in various offices, including the White House, including Congress, what did they swear to do? Support the Constitution and enforce the rule of law. And they're not doing it. And the end of that is something you and I are facing. And when it happens, it's not if it happens anymore. It's going to happen. The United States economically is going to get right into a brick wall with no way to go. I promise you it's going to be it's going to be real. It's going to happen. And it will happen because they're not enforcing the law. That's the simple answer.
to all of this stuff. And Biden's in other countries. He's in Vietnam touting Bidenomics. Look what it's done to America. I was lucky over the weekend. I only had to pay $3.40 for some gasoline. It was so much higher than I thought I could get somewhere else. I only got 10 gallons to get me through the weekend, and then I'm going to go back to where I get my normal gas. But guess what? It's $3.30 there. (laughs) Thank you, Uncle Joe. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The daybed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. What's the biggest number you can think of? A trillion, billion, zillion. That's pretty big. How about you? Ten. Okay. How about you? Infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and one. Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry. What about infinity times infinity? It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. It's a puppy. Not a puppy. A wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Mm. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's biggie bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. Really? When the press takes their marching orders from powerful special interests, you want a direct source for the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, Dan Newman. And where is the media today on the latest debacle, which is the impeachment pending? It's an impeachment inquiry formally, but it is impending the impeachment of Joe Biden, our president. Where's the media on that? They've gone into 100% defense mode. Over the weekend, looking watching, listening to any newscast. And I wasn't going to South Louisiana. I was in my car about four hours going south and four hours going north, coming back. And every newscast that wasn't from a conservative source like Fox News or Newsmax or the few others that are still out there, every other one, they were loudly across the board proclaiming There's no evidence of Joe Biden ever doing anything wrong that would even come close to rising to an impeachable offense. They gave no evidence refuting any of the stuff that we know was been happening and may still be happening. Think about that. 
we don't know that uh, Hunter turned the faucet off. <laughs> maybe, maybe Joe Biden really is obligated to Xi Jinping in China. Remember that CEFC, that big energy company in China? Hunter went over with his dad on Air Force Two, supposedly for the vice president then to meet with Xi Jinping and others of the Chinese Communist Party government. But while they were there, somehow Hunter got introduced to the principal, the president of CEFC. And why would Hunter be involved with them? Well, they wanted to uh, invest in some American possibilities for making their money grow. And just so happened, Hunter had formed a private equity firm. Hunter Biden, never been in private equity before, knew nothing about it, but CEFC, and by the way, CEFC, it doesn't exist now, but it was owned and controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. And they, they invested before they were done investing in Hunter's private equity firm, they had written checks, or wait a minute, they'd done wire transfers for more than a billion dollars in investment. Nobody's talking about any of that in the impeachment thing. You don't think there was some money spread around there? Hunter flies over there on your dollar with your vice president in Air Force Two, he meets with a Chinese Communist Party-owned company board president, and he gets a commitment and within weeks has a billion dollars plus to quote-unquote invest. <laughs> and there's no issue with that. Oh, my gosh. I'm tired of this crap. I just... I can't, in my lifetime looking back, I if I got away with anything that I did wrong, I think I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it again. It's real short. When I was a kid, skateboards started. I mean, it became a big thing. And uh, I guess this was about, oh, maybe 65, maybe a little bit before that, maybe 63, 64. Anyway, the first skateboards that came out that were being sold at places there wasn't walmart by at that time but in lafayette it was brown's thrift city brown's thrift city was a big store kind of like walmart just not quite as organized and structured but anyway they were selling skateboards and there were two different kinds one were skateboards that the wheels on those were actually metal wheels just like you get on outdoor skates. I'm not talking about the skates that you use with those nice big fat wheels when you go to a skating rink. I'm talking about skates that you used to put on your shoes and you would skate on the sidewalk or driveways. They had, at Brownsville City, a skateboard with those metal wheels, and right beside it they had a skateboard with those really good wheels. I didn't have enough money to buy the one with the big, nice, you know, those great wheels. But I really wanted one. So I thought about it and thought about it. And I very quietly and surreptitiously, I took the price tag 
off of the big skateboard with the good wheels and I put it, the price tag, I put it on the cheap one and I took the cheaper one that had the metal wheels, took that price tag and put it on the big one. In other words, I took it to the cash register and all that stuff wasn't computerized at the time. There weren't computers. Whatever they saw, you know, and glue stuck on a little price tag on the item, they just ran it through the cash register. That's the way they wrote it up. And so they wrote it up at the price for the cheaper one, and that's what I paid them for the good one. I took it home, and typically what would happen when I was growing up, when I did something, I I didn't do very many things like that, but when I did something like that, my mom would know about it somehow. She knew about everything I did bad. And it wasn't but, oh, maybe five, and I was went to the store by myself. I rode my bicycle up there. Nobody was with me. So nobody was there to tell on me. I don't know how she found out. But she walked in my room that afternoon after I'd been outside on this new skateboard. And she asked me point blank, how much did you pay for that? And I said, Mom, I don't remember, but I I kind of gave her a range and whatever. And she said, I don't believe you. Come go with me. And we went and got in the car. And what mom had done, she found the sales receipt. I left it somewhere, maybe in a pair of shorts in the pocket. I don't know. But she found it while I was outside. And she just smelled a rat. So we went to Brownser City. And she made me bring that skateboard with me. And she went in and found the manager. And she said, I think my son may have cheated. Anyway, she told him the story. They went around and looked. And sure enough, I got busted. So I had two choices. The manager gave me the two choices. He said, son, if you want to keep that skateboard, pay the difference. If not, you've taken an item and you've used it. So basically, it's stolen. I'm going to report it to the cops. So I sat in the manager's office, and my mother and the guy went outside. She wanted to talk to him privately. I don't know what they said, but mom came back in and said, I'm going to bail you out on this, but you're going to pay the price. I'm telling you that story to tell you this. I don't see how people on the left get away with the stuff that they're getting away with. But you know one reason why there's so much horrible crime across our nation now? It's because when people perpetrate criminality, it's not like it used to be when you and I were maybe teenagers, young adults, maybe even in the last decade or so. Law enforcement was holding people accountable according to the law. I mean, by the book. Now, every once in a while, somebody got a favor. But on the most part, people, if you stole something, you got busted for it. If you cheated, if you hurt somebody, if you robbed somebody, you paid the price for it. Well, all of a sudden, they're not holding people accountable. Some places are not holding them accountable at all. And if they do, the accountability is so minimal, the person that is the criminal or wants to be a criminal, they consider the cost and it's like, Well, I'm going to get busted for this, maybe. I may get caught, maybe not. And even if I get caught, 
there's hardly any criminality price I'm going to have to pay. So they go ahead and do it. And that grows and grows and grows. And look at what has happened over the last year and a half, maybe two years in places like San Francisco and Los Angeles and Chicago and New York City. People break into these really nice businesses. I mean, really nice jewelry stores, watch stores, car dealership places, showrooms. And they just steal whatever they want. They break open display cases. I watched, you may remember this, Black Lives Matter, they had uh, when the George Floyd stuff was going on in Chicago in the Miracle Mile. One of the nicest strips with the nicest retail high-dollar stores in North America. I know it well. And these people, these Black Lives Matter people, they just went crazy. It was nighttime. They went down this street, breaking windows, going in, stealing stuff in it. I'll never forget this. I had a Rolex President watch. 18 karat gold, the whole watch. Band, the watch itself. And mine was really nice. It had the extra stuff with the diamond um, bezel. Couldn't think of what it was for a second, but a diamond bezel. It was basically given to me. And uh, 10 years ago, I quit wearing it. I got rid of it because crime got so big. Anyway, I knew what that watch was worth. On television, they were showing this stuff happening on Miracle Mile. And I watched as a man had broken into a watch store and it caught my eye because there was a Rolex sign. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's a Rolex dealer there. And they broke into it. And this guy came walking through where the broken window was and he had two boxes. And I knew the boxes because only Rolex presidents are in those boxes. He had two of them. So what does that mean, Dan? He had $75,000 in two boxes of watches. No accountability. No arrest. They didn't get any of those people. And now Chicago wonders why. You know what the latest thing is? This came out this morning. One section of downtown Chicago, there wasn't a grocery store left for miles. All the grocery stores, they closed. Because there was so much criminality and the cops weren't holding anybody accountable. So they were losing their butts every day just being open. And honest people that needed to go get groceries, they had to drive for miles to a different part of town to do their shopping. And so, I don't know how many months ago, but it was in the middle of all this stuff. There were two Walmarts in the area around this not right in the middle of it, but on the edges of this part of Chicago. And leaders in Chicago went to Walmart and asked them to invest money to keep these stores open in downtown Chicago. Walmart, they agreed to it. They put $100 million in these two stores to get them back open, to serve the city, that part of the city of Chicago. And guess what happened? They ended up the other day closing both of them because they were losing their butts. And the Chicago police force wouldn't do a thing to stop it. And then this morning, the report came out 
for five years before they closed them initially, both stores lost an average of $5 million each year. I didn't know there was a Walmart, a Walmart store in America that lost money. But you know what? They had lost all this money. Walmart, they decided they were going to try and help the people, that part of the city of Chicago. They were going to help them. And they even, not just reopened those stores, they invested $100 million. And they lost it all. Because the rule of law in Chicago, there isn't one. Well, there is one, but they're not abiding by it. And that is eating American up. It is eating our country up. It's everywhere. And that's why criminality is through the roof, because we're not, our leaders are not enforcing the rule of law. And if we don't start doing that, we'll never have our country back. We'll never be a country like you and I grew up in. It's just not going to happen. We're going to look more like, well, maybe Ukraine. Now, wait a minute, Dan. What are you talking about? Big stories out revealing that Volodymyr Zelensky, you remember when all that money started getting sent from the United States, and we had a special guest on our show, one of the world's greatest cryptocurrency guys, the largest owner of Bitcoin in the world, Dunstan Teo. We had him on the show four times, and he called me. He wanted to come on and tell you about what happened to a lot of that first 60, 70, 80 billion dollars that the United States in cash sent to Ukraine. It didn't go as dollars and cents because banks weren't open. So what did they do? They sent it as cryptocurrency and bunches of that money never showed up in Ukraine. Well, some of it showed up in the personal account of Volodymyr Zelensky, according to Dunstan Teo. And some other of that money showed up in cryptocurrency form at the Biden campaign and at the Clinton Foundation. Just saying, guess what? There's some new corruption in Ukraine, and it involves Zelensky. That's next. You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads, quieter brake pads, longer life brake pads and performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need so you can get the job done right. Get in the zone, AutoZone. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you can see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24/7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We got you something. It's a deep, deep dish pepperoni and bacon pizza, and we gift wrapped it with over three and a half feet of bacon. You've been working so hard. We love you. Get a Little Caesars large bacon wrapped deep, deep dish pizza for just twelve bucks. Try our convenient app and pizza portal pickup. Pizza, pizza. 
I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural, juicy, grass fed beef. Introducing the All Natural Burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. just joining us you may not have heard we posted our friday interview in its entirety it's 31 minutes long uh on a special page at truthnewsnet.org it's actually there now the interview is with steve smotherman he is the pastor of the largest church in new mexico and he's very politically active and he gave us some information that i think every conservative in america needs to hear um He's the guy that made the statement that, I guess three years ago, he said it in a sermon, and I was sitting there live listening to him deliver this sermon at a conference, Men of Iron Conference. And he was talking about you got things that are bad in your life and you keep praying, you keep trying to get them to change, and you pray for change, you gripe because you need the change in your life, And the statement he made is nothing changes if nothing changes. In other words, whatever is going on, you've got input into it. Have you changed some of the stuff yourself that can make other changes happen? If you haven't, quit griping about it. Nothing's going to change until you change something. Anyway, he talks about that at length, and I think it's something that every American, every conservative needs to hear. On the front page of that story today. There's two stories up today, two new stories up today. But on one of them, it's got a picture of him, Steve Smotherman. I want you to listen to it. It'll change your life. Now back to Ukraine. Six Ukrainian deputy defense ministers were fired over their first thing this morning. But that comes after the dismissal two weeks ago of the defense minister, Oleksiy Rezenkov in a corruption scandal, officials said. And this is all with all that heavy fighting that continues in the east part of Ukraine. So why did you bring this up, Dan? Well, there are a lot of investigations going on over this, and a lot of it has to do with the Ukrainian military and accusations of corruption there related to purchasing of equipment. Rustam Umarov, a Crimean lawmaker who took over as defense minister in Ukraine is in charge and he won't respond to anybody with any details. So typically in Ukraine, 
And I know this doesn't surprise you. Ukraine has been known for years as the most corrupt country in Europe. It's a place where money flows, more money laundering than you can imagine. This stuff that's happening with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and the controversy there, that's an everyday thing. They laugh about it in Ukraine. Corruption everywhere. And the reason I brought up Volodymyr Zelensky before we went into this story, he's not saying a word right now. Now, what does that typically mean? He's somehow got something involved in that. And I'm speculating. I'm not accusing him of it. But normally where I come from, if it quacks and waddles, it's a duck. And very few things happen at this level, especially regarding money in Ukraine with so many moving parts, so many people, without Volodymyr Zelensky being involved in it. I want you to watch this. I want you to watch this. Why? Because we are so deep financially into Ukraine. And we knew going into it, people warned Joe Biden, don't give all this money, don't give all this support. Zelensky, he was an actor, a comedian, a stand-up comedian, until several years ago when he decided to run for president of Ukraine. He's not got any experience at running anything. And now he's got $100 billion plus United States dollars over there. I bet you doesn't have very much of that left in the bank. What do you think? I imagine it's been spread around, so to speak. Did you know Donald Trump has finally come out holding an interview? He had a big, big, big interview, a long one. I mean, a real, real interview with NBC News over the weekend. And I listened to the whole thing. It was over an hour long, but I listened to the whole thing. And I pulled some pieces out of you, out of it, not out of you. Um, I wanted you to hear, it's just a little bit, we probably have four minutes of it. Listen to the former president talking to NBC News. President Trump has given his first network TV interview since leaving office. And during this TV interview, he repeatedly continues to claim that the 2020 election was rigged against him. Let's bring in Fox News' Robert Moses. He has more details on this. Robert, good morning. Bianca and Rosanna, good morning to you. That's 2020. Now let's turn our attention to 2024. And there's a new CBS News poll out. It shows former President Donald Trump leading President Joe Biden by just one percentage point, which is within the margin of error, which is to say this is shaping up to be a very tight race. However, there is still a long way to go until we get there, including for the former president, potentially multiple criminal trials. You keep interrupting me. Former President Donald Trump sat for a contentious and wide-ranging interview with the new host of NBC's Meet the Press, Kristen Welker. The former president is seeking to reclaim the office he lost in 2020 as he faces four criminal indictments. When you go to bed at night, do you worry about going to jail? No, I don't really. I don't even think about it. I'm built a little differently, I guess. Two of the four indictments focus on the former president's response to the 2020 election. He continued to fight the results, despite many in his inner circle telling him that he had lost. As to whether or not I believed it was rigged, oh, sure, I, okay. I, it was my decision, but I listened to some people. Supporters of the former president stormed the Capitol on January 6th 
2021. He did not rule out pardoning those who have been convicted if he's reelected. I certainly might if I think it's appropriate. As for his own behavior on January 6th. Do you think you showed leadership on that? Yes, absolutely, I did. Former President Trump enjoys a wide lead over his Republican challengers. He said he likes the concept of choosing a female running mate and confirmed that South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem is a contender. He criticized a different governor and his nearest competitor, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, for signing a six-week abortion ban. I think what he did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. But he would not get specific about what he would do on the issue. I would sit down with both sides and I'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace on that issue for the first time in 52 years. The former president and 18 others face charges in Georgia related to the 2020 election. One of his co-defendants is former chief of staff Mark Meadows. Former President Trump said he hopes Meadows, quote, is loyal to me. He didn't answer when he was asked if he worries about Meadows flipping. Bianca and Rosanna, back to you. So let me just get into something else about that. Um, Donald Trump, he did a lot in preparation for what he expected was going to have some bad results. The January 6th, um, you know, he had the big speech down at the White House before Uh, The actual meetings were taking place down at the Capitol to confirm the results of the election. And he gave a very, very strong speech to a lot of people. And he asked everybody to march peacefully down to the Capitol. He made it very clear he didn't he didn't push for any kind of violence or for anybody to do anything other than go to the Capitol, go down there and express to members of Congress by your being there that you don't like what they were about to do. And then all the uproar happened. There was violence. It was expected. The FBI had notified everybody for weeks that there were people, groups out there that were planning on creating havoc and even possible violence. So what did Trump do? He was president of the United States. He reached out to the military and requested 10,000 National Guard members to be there in advance to make sure that they could keep everything straight during this January 6th stuff. Well, there's one problem. Even the President of the United States doesn't have control over what happens at the U.S. Capitol. That's the purview of whoever the Speaker of the House and whoever's the majority leader in the Senate. Those are to tag team and be responsible for that stuff. So the request had to be transferred to Nancy Pelosi about the um, 10,000 National Guardsmen there. And by the way, also, the mayor of Washington, D.C. asked the president to get National Guard in, and the president agreed. So now guess what's happening? The letter and the commitments from several of the leaders of the Capitol Police that have left the Capitol Police Force, but they agreed that they were told 
when the request for National Guard came to Pelosi formally that they were told, you're not going to do that. Pelosi said, we don't want Washington, D.C. to look like a war zone. We don't want that look, so we're not going to have it. So during the January 6th stuff, the committee hearings that happened, you remember that's supposed to be hearings that were really not. They were a TV show. Nancy Pelosi refused to testify or to appear, and very um, suddenly all the correspondence between Nancy Pelosi and anybody about those 10,000 National Guard's troopers being there, it disappeared. That interview that Trump did with NBC, it's so long, I only played part of it for you, but in it, that topic comes up, and the NBC host that was questioning Trump got in his face about him being called the liar because there are people out there that are supposedly in places of responsibility that are saying he never made that request. Well, guess what? (laughs) He has, he said in the interview, I even have the letters to and from the mayor of Washington, D.C., where she reached out and said she wanted protection, and we responded and said, you're going to get it. We've already initiated it. It's coming. And Pelosi stopped it. Pontification in politics, something that we just can't get used to, but it's everywhere. And speaking of that, today, we found out just a little while ago that $6 billion, B with a billion with a B, in Iranian assets that have been frozen in a bank in South Korea, they are now this morning sent to Qatar. And that's a key for the prisoner swap between Iran and us. $6 billion of Iranian assets frozen in South Korea is now in Qatar. $6 billion, once frozen, it's key for a prisoner swap with the United States. And it's happening so far, we're told, today. Nasser Kanani made a comment during a news conference aired on state television, the Iranian state television, but the feed cut immediately after his remarks with no explanation. The issue of swap of prisoners will be done on this day, and five prisoners, citizens of the Islamic Republic, will be released from prisons in the U.S., Ghanani said, five imprisoned citizens who are in Iran will be given the U.S. side reciprocally based on their will. We expect these two issues fully take place based on agreement. He said two of the Iranian prisoners will stay in the U.S. I don't know what that's about. Iranian news agencies immediately afterwards reported, quoting Ghanani, that the prisoner swap would be done today. No other information immediately released by any agency, and the U.S. officials did not even acknowledge the comments that were made. Now, this all happened after an announcement by Kanani, and it comes weeks after Iran said that five Iranian Americans are now under house arrest as part of a confidence building move with Seoul, allowed the frozen assets held in South Korean one 
to be converted into euros. That money was then sent to Qatar and interocular between Tehran and Washington in these negotiations. The planned swap unfolded amid a major American military buildup in the Persian Gulf with the possibility of our troops boarding and guarding commercial ships in the Strait of Hormuz, through which 20% of all oil shipments sent on the globe go through. And Iran's been out there being a bully, even stopping some of these ships. The deal has already opened Joe Biden to some new criticism from the GOP and others who say his administration is helping boost the Iranian economy at a time when Iran poses a big threat to U.S. troops and our Mideast allies. That could carry over into Joe's re-election campaign as well. On the U.S. side, Washington said the planned swap includes Siamak Namazi, who was detained in 2015, later sentenced to 10 years in prison on internationally criticized spying charges, Imad Sharji, a venture capitalist sentenced to 10 years, and Murad Tebaz, a British-American conservationist of Iranian descent who was arrested in 2018, and he got a 10-year sentence. U.S. officials have so far declined to identify the fourth and fifth prisoner. The five had said, Iran has said, its Sikhs are mostly held over allegedly trying to export material to Iran. The final dollar amount from Seoul could be anywhere between six and seven billion, and that depends on the exchange rates. The cash represents money South Korea owed Iran, but has not yet paid for all purchased before the Trump administration imposed sanctions on these transactions back in 2019. Now, we maintain that once in Qatar, the money will be held in restricted accounts, we're told. White House has been adamant about this. However it much is put there, it goes into restricted accounts and will only be able to be used for humanitarian goods, like medicine and food. Those transactions are currently allowed under American sanctions targeting the Islamic Republic over its advancing nuclear program. Now, how do how, how are we going to know? what? To, I know the money is going to be held in Qatar. I know that. But who do you think the, the people of Qatar... Or closer to us or Iran. They're both Muslim countries. They both are known to have terrorism, maybe not as rampant in Qatar as it is in Iran, but can we trust them? <laughs> can we trust that they're going to use that money, six to seven billion dollars, only for humanitarian aid? Iranian government officials have largely concurred that they had agreed to do so and they were going to do it the right way, though some hardliners have insisted without providing evidence there would be no restrictions on how Tehran spends the money. Most everybody that's reasonable believes that they're going to get it. They'll use it for terrorism, other acts, They'll target us. 
Oh, and by the way, their nuclear program that they have been in agreement, and I've used the term agreement, put it in quotation marks, with the United States for years. Biden and Joe and the Biden administration, and the Joe administration, rather, they sent $100 billion in cash to Iran, supposedly an agreement to get Iran to stop pursuing nuclear weapons. Wow. And they say they've done it. But we don't. None of the nuclear agencies in the world have been given access to see what they're doing with their development of nuclear, whether it's military, weaponized, or if it's just to create energy for the nation of Iran. There's no way to know. So anybody that thinks it's being used one way or the other exclusively, you're guessing. But once again, quacks and waddles, it's usually a duck. I'm voting Iran is developing nuclear weapons and in preparations to use those against the United States. In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to supporting this country, making products to build infrastructure and skylines, creating jobs, supporting families. And when domestic materials are used, the money stays in our communities. That's what really matters. These people, these places, that's worth supporting. Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. And a chainsaw. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Can I get in the McDonald's? Ooh, Ooh. can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Yeah, can uh, I get a... Uh, 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 go, Bubba, go! Uh, uh, pick me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a... Uh, Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. There's a rising star among the Republican Party and it's Representative Claudia Tinney. And she's been and is pretty much in the middle of a lot of the stuff that's happening, especially anything and everything that's going on with the Biden administration. And she weighed in over the weekend talking about intimidation 
intimidation coming from the greatest scandal in the United States. Maybe the worst in American history, she says. I want you to listen to Claudia Tenney as she gives us details. I'm trying to remember who this was that uh, she was on with, but nevertheless, you'll hear it yourself. Listen closely. Committee, which is now deeply and even more involved in the impeachment inquiry. But Claudia, thank you. I mean, what is the story? They're intimidating these IRS whistleblowers. These were trusted senior people, for heaven's sakes. Absolutely, and nonpartisan, by the way. They were, one was from upstate New York, Gary Shapley, the other one, uh, Ziegler, uh, also claiming to be a Democrat. They went through a lawful whistleblower portal that was created by Chairman Jason Smith of the Ways and Means Committee. That's how we got all this bombshell testimony, how we got proof that there was slow walking by now Special Prosecutor A.G. Weiss from Delaware to try to tip off the Biden administration that they needed to cover up the... uh, the storage area, for example, in Virginia that may have contained information, gave them ways to destroy evidence. And yet they're trying to claim Biden, Hunter Biden's attorneys that somehow they violated the disclosure requirements of federal statutes. It's garbage. It's not going anywhere. Kudos to Chairman uh, Jim Jordan, Chairman also James Comer, and also Chairman Jason Smith for writing a letter and demanding evidence on this to prove that this is something that actually went on. We know it's more bluster, but really unprecedented the way that the the bullying tactics coming from the Biden administration and Hunter Biden, they have no shame, they have no ethics, and we need to expose them, which is why I'm so grateful we are going into an impeachment inquiry using the Ways and Means uh, Committee, Judiciary, and also Oversight. And I'm proud to be a member of that committee with the great Jason Smith leading leading the way on our side. Claudia, just one more. It was the whistleblowers who testified about this phone call where Hunter Biden's talking to the Chinese oil investor or whoever he was, uh, and he said, my father's right here next to me. I mean, that was among the most indicting of the indictable uh, evidence, it seems to me. Well, absolutely. And that was done. We got we actually did a little bit of a search on that, doing some uh, searching on our side with some friends from Delaware that Joe Biden was actually with Hunter Biden that day when that phone call was made. So for him to claim he was out of the country or not there, it's damning testimony. Also to go along with what Senator Grassley released, remember the FBI informant that placed all these things together that was ha- that were happening, and we have the suspicious activity reports coming out of what oversight uncovered on all these bank records showing this web of, of different uh, bank accounts and money going to and from. We have the laptop from hell which revealed that Hunter was making all these transactions, and that shows that Joe Biden is actually involved in all this. Look, Joe Biden is in the middle of this. Joe Biden used Hunter Biden as a proxy. I don't buy Hunter Biden was independent and on all these boards because he was an expert on energy. It's the furthest thing from the truth. I think we're just beginning to uncover what is probably one of the worst scandals in American history. What's going on with our corrupt president using his son, who is obviously disabled with his drug addiction and other issues. It's really unprecedented, and we're going to get down into the nitty-gritty with this election in, uh, inquiry, or this um, uh, impeachment inquiry, and I'm looking forward to diving in this week. It's really important that we get started on this to bring back some kind of credibility to our justice system and some kind of credibility to our presidency. Yeah, Stephen McCarthy called it a culture of corruption, Claudia, and I think that's exactly right. As I've said before, I'll say it again, especially in the aftermath of what Claudia Tinney just had to say. This is all planned. The timing for all of this is planned. 
the fact that David Weiss, who is an all-in-the-tank for anything and everything to do with Biden, he's got so much conflict with the entire Biden family. As an example, he's the federal attorney, federal prosecutor in Delaware. His best friend was Joe Biden's oldest son, Bo, who died of cancer. Bo was the attorney general for Delaware when Weiss was first appointed. Think about that. No conflict or anything there. So this thing all of a sudden where he comes back and he indicts last week Hunter Biden, three counts on criminal federal gun acts. Now think about that. That could put Hunter Biden in jail for 25 years. I've told you before, Joe Biden will never be the Democrat nominee for president for 2024. Formally, it's not going to happen. But he's got to maintain this thing between now and then, if for no other reason, to maintain and get his son exonerated. So they're going to approach this, these allegations, criminal prosecution. I'm talking about he's charged. That means he's got to face the law over these three criminal felony acts that he allegedly did. And by the way, he did them all. How's this all going to work in timing? I told you before, there was going to be a plan. There is a plan. There was going to be a case where Joe was going to throw Hunter under the bus. Look, son, all this stuff that's going on out there, I'm the president, I want to run for re-election, one of us has got to go down. And the best way to do this and make it clean is for you to take the hit. And so I want you to agree to a plan that we'll put together, us and the feds, like the one that they just did last week, where you become the culprit and you take the fall. Let, let, let the prosecution happen. No matter what you're going to be charged with and how it comes out, I'll take care of it because I'm the sitting president of the United States. And so he'll go through. They'll have this charade. But here's what it's for. It's to be able to say there's no two-tier justice system in the United States. Look, Joe Biden's Department of Justice, they're going after. They indicted Hunter Biden, the president's son. Nobody stepped in to intervene for that process. The Department of Justice did this. The Biden Justice Department did that. So that means there is no two-tier justice system. So all this crazy stuff that the Republicans are claiming, it's not true. None of it's true. And the American people just need to ignore it. Nothing, nothing that you hear that's done and put together by Democrats is accidental. It's all planned. It's all purposeful. Now, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, he kind of came out with something over the weekend. He made all the talk shows that kind of surprised me. He said Trump will be the 2024 GOP nominee. And he said DeSantis is not at the same level. Hmm. He was on Fox News Sunday Morning Futures. 
Anchor Maria Bartiromo said, all of that, the policies that you mentioned of the Biden administration is one reason that Trump is leading in the polls right now. What's your take on this? That, as we see more indictments of Donald Trump, he seems to be gaining in terms of popularity with the public. Will he be the nominee? And McCarthy said, I think he will be. President Trump is stronger today than he was in 2016 or 2020, and there's a reason for that. They saw the policies of what he was able to do with America, putting America first, making our economy stronger. We didn't have inflation. We didn't have these battles around the world. We didn't look weak around the world. Bartiromo said, well, it looks like Ron DeSantis is now trying to work with your colleagues who are pushing for a shutdown. McCarthy said, yeah, but I don't think that would work anywhere. A shutdown would only give strength to Democrats. It would give the power to Biden. And he added, President Trump is beating Biden right now in the polls. He's stronger than he ever has been in this process. And look, I served with Ron DeSantis. He's not at the same level as President Trump by any shape or form. Now, that's a thought, but it's from the Speaker of the House. So we need to pay attention to it. That's going to wrap today's show, Monday. Thanks for joining us here today. And make sure you join us every day this week. You don't know what's going to happen. Steve Baker will be with us tomorrow. We know that much. Until then, do your best. And by jingos, (laughs) find a way to help right this ship, America. We got to do something, don't we? to say a word I can see it in your eyes I know what you want to say It's so hard to say goodbye I can hold back my tears and try to be strong while our love is falling apart I know what I'll say If you walk away But what do I do What do I do with my heart I'm not gonna say do with my heart.